December 17th. Eco and Zach sit down to record an XYZ podcast to talk about Watchmen, the TV series. It's December 15th, and I am sitting at home, alone, drinking a beer, watching episode 9 of Watchmen, the TV series. It's December 24th. I'm just walking out of the movie theater. I've finally seen Star Wars episode 9, and I'm thinking, didn't I just see in episode 9? Ladies and gentlemen, it's the XYZ Podcast. How do we normally intro this thing? <laughs> Welcome to the XYZ Podcast, the podcast where we talk about entertainment and the creative process. I'm Nico, I'm your Y. I'm Zach, I'm your Z. And uh, today's X Factor is the rest of the Watchmen series. I mean, if you listen to the previous podcast, we talked a lot about the movie and the comic, and I only saw, at that point saw had seen episode one. And at this point, we've seen the whole series. The whole season. The, oh, the whole season. They're, okay, they're, right. We'll get into my feelings about... Uh, whether or not there's... Yeah. Yeah. Well, not whether or not, but whether there should be. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mm, that, that, that feels like it sounds like I'm having an opinion. That's not... We'll, we'll get into my opinion. Okay, yeah. It's... Positive. I'm gonna say that it's positive. I'll okay, just say yeah, that. I yeah. like the show. Yeah, uh, I like the show. Yeah. Let's just say full spoilers. Or full we... spoilers. I mean, if you've not seen it, like if you've not watched the entire first season of Watchmen, tur- turn off unless you just like yeah. being spoiled. If that's your thing, yeah. It, like if you have okay. no, if you're like, oh, I don't really care that much about Watchmen. I'll just listen to these guys talk about it, and I'll have no idea what's going on. But like, they're fun to listen to. I like Zach and Nico. Yeah. They're cool guys. If that's your deal, keep listening. If yeah. You're, if you want to avoid spoilers, just turn us off right now. Yeah. Go watch it and then come back and listen. Come back once you've... Nope, I was just about to spoil it. Oh, we're getting into spoilers now. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just going to say come back when you've eaten the egg. Uh, that's oh, not really... That's not really like... It's not like it's an not omniscient huge. thing. That's yeah. not... Yeah. I don't know. I don't... Oof. Okay. Eh. We've uh, already warned them, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about Watchmen, the TV series. Uh, it was, it was nine episodes instead of the HBO series normal thing where it's ten, ten episodes. Ten, right, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, is your world the same? Is it, is it been changed all over? It's forever changed, okay. man. Did uh, you like it? Yeah, it was great, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. A couple of things I did see coming was like, I mean, I did see coming that the, the random dude in the castle was, was Adrian. Yeah. Right. I, I was like worried I was a little bit spoiling that to you in the last episode. No, but I was like, I had, I had guessed that already. I mean, I assumed from the trailers, I'm not like, just like when he showed up in the trailers, I was like, that's probably, that's who Jeremy Irons would play. Yeah. It, it just fits his character and yeah. it fits like. The way the way he acted and and the cake was like I was like that's probably a squid cake. The anniversary's probably the squidding. Oh, I didn't I didn't really think about that. I just figured that was like an, that was just they give him cake every day because they're like we're gonna celebrate you because you're our master. Oh, they might please you. They might, but it's I think it's still squid cake. I think mm. like, like it's vaguely squid shaped. Hmm. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna just like I don't know. I feel I don't know. I feel like. You're going to have to take the lead a little on this conversation because, like, oh, yeah. you seem so excited to talk about it. And I was like, I want to talk about it, but I don't know what I'm going to – I don't, I don't like, know where to start. Well, I mean, I just – I like the fact it's 
the the way they weave together the the comic slash movie. I'm basically the comic. Let's just call it's it. It's all the comic. It's all the comic. It's, yeah, you know, any anything where it's weaving in the movie, I feel like it's mostly just like it's just the that's same. Just because the movie is, is the, the comic, comic except yeah. for yeah, yeah, except for the, the things that they changed in the movie, yeah. which they didn't change in the TV show. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, when they when they weaved in the details from the comic, I was like. I mean, they did it in funny ways because there's a lot of exposition that could happen mm. that could just be dry and boring. But I mean, they, they, you know, there was the point where um, they're talking about, I forget who it was, but one of the, one of the guys was asking, the police officers asking Lori what her deal was. And then her sidekick, the, uh, the other FBI dude, the historian was like, well, actually, yeah, it's, they, they just had the shortened version of like comedian, like assaulted the original Silk Spectre, yeah. and yeah. They, it was, he basically played the role, and then he disappeared later on. Yeah, uh, I was wondering what happened to him in the last episode. Ooh, I have a couple things to say about Petey, as it were. That's Petey? Okay. That's Petey. Okay, yeah. Uh, Agent Pete something, I think. Okay. Uh, but uh, I think, like, in that place, he was really playing the role of, like, the, oh, uh, like, the comic book nerd who's like, oh, I know everything about Watchmen, the, the book. Um and I'm just going to, like, quickly tell the viewers who maybe haven't read. Like, that, he felt like that. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you, do you know, because I actually didn't go up, I should have read all this. So, do you know about PDPedia? No. So, there, so in the comic, there are, like, supplementary materials at the end of every chapter. Yeah. Sort of. Uh, and it kind of uh, adds another dimension. It's really part of the story. Yeah, you showed me that. Yeah. Um, and in the TV show, the closest version of that was this thing called PDPedia. It was oh. basically that FBI agent's notes and stuff. Huh. And the theory is, and it's almost confirmed, is that apparently the last... Because every episode in new entry of, in PDPedia would come out. I have only read some reactions to them. I haven't actually read them, so I guess I'm not a true fan. I'm sorry. Uh... Hey. Apparently in the last one, in the last episode, it was another agent, and he was like, oh yeah, we fired this guy because of this and this reason, because he's like leaking this information, I guess, on PDPedia, uh, uh, but also they, they were talking about the things that were in office, his office, and one of them, I'm forgetting exactly what it was, it was some kind of oil, and the point is, is that it's basically assumed that he's Lube Man. Oh. The guy who like skids into the sewer. Yeah. Which is like just... A weird little point that's never actually followed up on in the show. It's never, yeah. It just happens, and then <laughs> it's the it's. There's a lot of what the fuck moments in that in that show. Yeah, that particular moment, I feel like was that was that's something that's very that felt very Damon Lindelof specifically. Like I feel like I, he's done that kind of thing in like the leftovers, where it's just like a random thing shows up on screen, and it's just like. And never dressed it's, again. It's never really... Yeah, and it's just like a weird little uh, color to the score story. I don't know. Oh, I remember... Okay, yeah, because... Okay, Angela's the person who encountered uh, the... the uh, Loop Man. Loop Man, yeah. 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 And was that was that in the same at the same time that um, that Laurie and Petey actually came to... I, it was it was definitely because they came to town in episode three. Okay, yeah, uh, and I think that was episode four. Okay, that that happened. So it, it would yeah. be contemporaneous with them actually coming. Yeah, um, I'll admit, like a lot of the episodes sort of bled together a little bit for me because I watched the first five all at once, essentially. Yeah, um, and also I just have a shitty memory for media consumed. That way, if it's been more than a couple weeks, yeah, unless I've like specifically sat down, talked to somebody about it, or written about it. So now we're sitting down and talking. Yeah, now we'll remember. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it'll come back. To but me. yeah, I, I binged basically. So I, I saw the first episode, and then 
I forget when, but it was basically when I texted you, which was probably like a week ago. I remember that. Right. And I was like, I just binged the rest. You sounded all in. Dude, I, I binged <laughs> it all up to episode eight because it had, that had also just came out that night and I didn't realize that it had. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, uh, yeah, there's some, yeah, actually, no, I didn't, I didn't completely binge it all at once. Actually, I, I, I'm remembering now, but I watched, it was like over two or three days I had done it. I watched it all. I really like episode eight. I really like anything. Like I like that structure of we just did the intro of it because that's one of my favorite chapters in the comic too. Yeah. Is the one where he's like, "It is April 6, nineteen fifty nine, and I'm walking into the chamber." Yeah. Um, I mean, there's an irony there where I mean, okay, so that so Doctor Manhattan's like for him for him he's like in in all these places at once. Yeah. He's time is a loop. It's that yeah. circle that he yeah. has on his. And he's not exactly omniscient, but within, you know, within everything that he remembers, he remembers it exactly and everything. Yeah. But but the way he describes it is so out of order from what, like, it actually occurred. But the thing is, like, the way memory actually occurs to us is more like that. Mm-hmm. And um, and just kind of the way that, the way that um, like, when you're in a situation that reminds you of a previous situation, it feels very much like you're in that same situation. You put yourself in that context. And, like, it, it's just that Dr. Manhattan is the walking version of that made real. Yeah. Where he actually is in all of those at once. He's living everything at once. He has yeah. trouble staying. Yeah. It, it, some, it's, he has trouble staying present sometimes, which is something we saw in the last episode, especially if he's, like, extra distracted. Yeah. Um, uh, did you like the Dr. Manhattan reveal? How'd you feel about that? I was like, so I remember... Uh, it was episode seven, I think. That, that uh, yeah, because yeah. eight was when they had to fight them off, and it was eight was the love story. Eight, eight was the one that started off with him walking in. Yeah, walks Vietnam. into a bar. Yeah, yeah, God walks into a bar. He walks into a bar, yeah. and then at the end of the episode, uh, it's it's they follow up on what happened at the end of uh, yeah. seven. Yeah, so she had just hit him with the sledgehammer. Yeah, I was like. Episode seven, I remember watching it, and as soon as, uh, so it, this is my like you know TV sense coming on, right? As soon as um, Angela says that Lady True says that uh, just announced, actually, yeah, yeah, or Lady True says that she announced that Doctor Manhattan was in Tulsa, and mm-hmm. Angela didn't even bat an eye. I was like, wait, Cal? Because I'm like searching through all the characters where it co- who could be it, yeah, and I'm like, Cal, really? And there's fun little, like, some. I remember reading some stuff online and somebody was like, oh, isn't it funny that, like, uh, when Lori first meets Cal, she's like, oh, Angela, your husband's really hot. Yeah, that's, it's like, that's, a, that's a little bit of, yeah, I remember, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I remember having that moment of, like, I, I, like, I remember sitting there and being like, wait. Yeah, because, like, that's the only thing. If you do process of elimination, you know enough about all the characters, that's the only possible character. And you connect... You basically are going through all the moments like your Dr. Manhattan looking at time as a flat circle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and you're connecting back to the first episode where fucking, um, what's his face? Um, Hooded Justice. Yeah. Is like, um, I mean, you're connecting back to it, I think, because Lady True also references it. But he's like, oh, uh, you know, Dr. Manhattan, what if he could turn into one of us? Uh, oh, does he? Ah, he I, says that in the first episode, uh, or no, second episode, because it's the beginning of the second episode, and Angela's like, "How did you hang this guy? How did you hang him?" Yeah, uh, and he's like, "Maybe I'm Doctor Manhattan. Maybe I have uh, those powers." And she's like, "Doctor yeah. Manhattan doesn't look like you. Doctor Manhattan is blue." Yeah, and she's like, 
oh, maybe he's not. Um, and also that's interesting in that moment because it's immediately she is she's being like, no, that's that's not what he could do, even though she knows. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in episode two, she knows specifically yeah. she, that he can do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I love Jeremy Irons and everything he's in. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I unabashedly am just like, I don't know. I've, I've definitely, uh, I've, I've like seen a few people online be like, Oh, because, like, I've definitely seen some mixed reviews online of Watchmen, and I'm not, I like it a lot. Uh, I mean, like, I don't think it's perfect or even touches the the comic, but it was sure. a fucking great watch, and yeah. I really yeah. enjoyed myself. Uh, I think I still prefer The Leftovers when it comes to Damon Lindelof stuff. Okay. I mean, obviously, we'll get into my feelings on the fact that it's one season, or if, it's, if, there, if there should be more seasons. Okay. Uh, but... Uh, I've heard a few complaints that are like, oh, this is not at all how Ozymandias, Adrian Veidt, reads in the comic. Okay. Because he's very long-winded. He almost is like Shakespearean. He's very proper almost in the way he talks because he's a smart guy and he's just sort of, he's an information load of a person when he talks. Yeah. Um, is he, he just like, he, he speaks like he's the smartest man in the world and he knows it sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. He, he's almost pretentious in the way he speaks. But... I mean, Adrian, like, Jeremy Irons, Adrian Veidt is a guy who's, like, lived for 34 years since then, almost in isolation. Yeah. And has gone a little insane, and he doesn't view anybody as his equal. Yeah. And I don't know. I kind of enjoy the goofier take on him. <laughs> like, my, like, that was my favorite part, I think, was Jeremy Irons. Uh, yeah. Like, there are a lot of cool things in that show, but if I were to, like, Regina King was great. Uh, every I think most of the performances were pretty good. I don't really have a complaint. Uh, mm -hmm. they were all great. Yeah. Uh, but Jeremy Irons, just like every time he was on screen, I just wanted more. Because <laughs> uh, like also he's just having so much. Fun. Like I hate Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. Mm -hmm. Jeremy Irons is he's great in that. I That's love the funny thing. It's like I saw I didn't see that. I yeah. saw I saw Justice League. Mm -hmm. I think when I talked about. I was like I didn't realize that Jeremy Irons was in it. I I was like, how did they, you know, for movie series that's reviewed so bad, how did they get him? Was, I mean, but then I saw other people that were like, uh, that were A-listers that like I respect as actors. And I was like, how did they get roped into this? I mean, it happens to to everyone. Like there are a lot of people I respect in those movies. Yeah. But like Jeremy Irons is a good Alfred. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. like a sassy Alfred. Yeah. He's a sassy Alfred. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, well, you should, um, I've probably mentioned this before, but you should, you should check out the Borges. Yeah. Yeah. You were, you were mentioning this to me. Yeah. Uh, uh, I remember not like, I was excited for him when we were watching the Henry cause he was in Henry. He's Henry the fourth. Yeah. Uh, he's not really doing much in that though. Yeah. He's, he's just not. a guy with gout. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you watch part two, there's like, I don't know if he's in it that much, but there's, I mean, the, the scene between him and Hal is like worth it. Yeah, it's like such I could a good maybe scene. just look up that clip. Probably. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a really good scene. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I do like part two. Like having watched it, like as a as a as a younger guy watching it, and like as somebody that focused on plot. Yeah, I didn't like it as much, but now as an older guy watching it and folk that who's also looking at theme and character, and just before like good acting performances, I I like it more now. Part two. That yeah. sounds that sounds interesting. Yeah. I mean, I won't. I, I'm not going to discard it. I might yeah. check it out at some point. Uh, anyways, Watchmen. 
Watch yes. Uh, yeah. What, 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 else? what else? There's so much. Uh, like, it's such a dense thing. They, they construct the whole fucking world. Uh, actually, one question is, did um, in, in the comic, is Vietnam a state in the comic? Um, I believe so, yeah. Okay. So uh, that was like, at the very least, it's annexed. It's a territory. Because they win the Vietnam War. Yeah. Um, like, pretty... Single-handedly. Yeah, they show you in the TV show the winning war. But, like, that is a moment almost straight out of the comics. It's okay. him walking, like, a, like I think that's in the movie, too. That's in the movie where he's 200, you know. Where he's, like, yeah, huge, huge and just, like, pointing at things and they blow up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, um, I'll say one thing I didn't like about, like, the Dr. Manhattan design in the, in the show was uh, I didn't really love seeing his, like, I, his, like, I like the plain white eyes. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and you you see like his pupils, and it just feels a little too human. Yeah, I get that he's masquerading as a human, but still, sure. yeah, yeah, no, I, I get that first, but when he's blue again, yeah. because those are the times when, in I mean, I'm you know referencing the movie for myself. That's that part of it makes him less relatable, and that's kind of the point. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't dislike that guy's performance. I'm forgetting his name. I remember he was in a Black Mirror episode. Okay. Uh, that came out. He was in the he was in the one about video game sex. Did you see Black Mirror? No, I didn't know. Oh, okay. Uh, he it's a very weird episode. He and uh, this isn't spoiling because it happens. In the, it's the plot of the episode. It's what happens. Yeah. Uh, who's the guy who plays Sam Wilson, Falcon, and the Avengers? Oh, Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie. It's him. <laughs> they're like two best friends, and they're connecting for the first time in a while. Like they're reconnecting. Uh, they used to be great friends, and now they're playing this virtual video game. And that guy, uh, he plays this like sexy girl fighting game, game, and it's like a VR video game where you can feel everything and see everything. Yeah. And Anthony Mackie's playing like this dude character, and the plot of the episode is that the two of them have are 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 like platonic straight bro friends, and then they have sex in this VR fighting. Yeah, game. their avatars have sex. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> it's. Actually, it's a really good episode. Okay. But it's like, <laughs> like, just like, it's wild. It's just wild. Uh, um, but I kind of preferred the, um, fuck, what's his name? Uh, Billy Crudup's performance as Dr. Manhattan. Just a little, because like, I, I mean, I think in the show, Dr. Manhattan is supposed to be a little bit more human. Yeah. Um, and Billy Crudup's is the, you're I guess, the movie. Yes. Or, Billy Crudup's the movie version. Um, He's just the voice, I think. Okay. And that one, uh, and he, I don't know, like, there's a detachment to him. It's not totally detached, but, and it's not, like, I'm still not 100% in love with his performance, but I, I think that's the only one that I'm like, oh, I, I prefer this a little bit, to, Because um, I, I liked that actor. I liked him when he was just Cal and when he was a human. Yeah. Um, but whenever he was Dr. Manhattan, I was like, oh, I feel like... He's maybe emoting too much. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't hate it, but that was one where I was like, maybe this is something that I slightly prefer in the uh, in the movie. Yeah. Um, but like, I'm glad they use the same actor throughout the show yeah. as that guy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Another another character who was also in the movie that I much preferred in the TV show was Gene Smart as a uh, Silk Spectre. As, oh yeah, as yeah. As, uh, as Lori Lori. Blake, yeah, she was perfect. Yeah, like, I think that that is who that character would be in thirty-four years. Yeah, yeah. That was a great performance. I don't know, like, 
I don't know enough about the comic character to reference how that evolved, if that is more true to the comic character, because I only know the movie character. It felt like it would... Like, honestly... You could make... In the comic, there are valid criticisms about how Alan Moore writes women. I don't think she's necessarily... Like, she could have been... She's not horribly written, but she's underdeveloped compared to the other characters. Okay, yeah. Um... Which is why, like, I think the show is making, like, a bit of a course correction a little bit for, like, I mean, it's a show about race. Yeah. It's a show, um, I don't know, it's definitely making a few course corrections for the comic without denying the comic, without saying this isn't canon or anything. Yeah. Um, there are definitely people who are like, oh, they retconned Hooded Justice, but really... I don't know. I think the fun of Hooded Justice is we never actually knew who he was. Uh Obviously, like, there were a lot of signs pointing to him being that wrestler guy, but when I remember when I was reading the comic, I was like, I don't want that to be true. I want that to just be a rumor, and that is just people making connections. So I was actually really happy when the show was like, that guy is not actually Hooded Justice. Wait, what wrestler? Because I don't... Okay, was that was oh. that in the... I don't even know if that was in the movie. I don't, I don't think it was. I don't okay. think Justice was in the movie. Uh, How, what was he in the comics? So, so okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, that is definitely something that's more important in the comics. Yeah. So, you remember the Minutemen, they're the first superheroes. Yes, the original. Well, they're yes. very... The original vigilantes. Vigilantes. Uh, they're started... So, you hear about them first in those supplementary materials I was talking about. Yeah. The first couple chapters, that supplementary material is Hollis Mason, who is Night Owl, the first Night Owl. Uh, he, he writes this book called Under the Hood, which is just like an expose of his life, uh, a little like memoir, and he's also talking about his time as um, a vigilante and, and uh, among the Minutemen, and he's talking about like, oh, this, so this guy came up on the news, and he was just this guy, he, he, he talks about um, Hooded Justice, and he talks about how like Superman had just come out as a comic book. Yeah. Um, which is something you see in the show. Yeah. Is like he sees a Superman comic. I think he sees Action Comics number one, which is the first appearance of Superman. Yeah. Um, uh, and he's talking about like, oh, like the first guy you see is this guy, is this guy who's basically pure anger. He's hooded justice. And then they start up the Minutemen and it's like clear that like, you know, hooded justice, no one knows who he is. Even the people with masks on who all, like they... In the show, they kind of show it pretty well, that, like, these yeah. guys are a little... They're having a little bit more fun with it. I think in the show, they kind of went a little too far to these people are in it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, though, I mean, that's kind of what the comic's about, I guess, is that yeah. morality's weird, and, like, anybody who is dressing up as a vigilante is probably doing it a little bit for the wrong reasons. Yeah, there's always... Yeah, there's um, something not quite... Yeah. yeah. But, like, in the show, it was full-on, like, they're only in this for money and for, like, fame and appearances and stuff. Which is very much what Silk, the original Silk Spectre was mm-hmm. in the comic, I feel like. At the very least, if not, like, Dollar Bill, who's another one of these Minutemen. Anyways, sorry. Uh, Dan, uh, Hood of Justice in the comic. Uh, yeah, and so uh, he... Uh, and it's definitely not just implied, but almost 100% certain in the comic that he did have a sexual relationship with uh, Captain Metropolis, who it's shown in the TV show that he did as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, like, it's obvious that Captain Metropolis is the one person who does know his name, does know who he really is. And so, then they start referencing this guy, I think his name's Rolf Mueller? Something like that. It's a giant German guy uh, who's, like, the same 
size and height as Hooded Justice, and he's like a circus strong man or a wrestler or something, and he's found with like a bullet in his head right around the time Hooded Justice disappears. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, and there's also like in those in that memoir that Hollis Mason was writing, he also and this is where it gets a little iffy with that with that change that or not change, but the TV show saying that this character mm-hmm. is a black guy who first got angry at these, like, at, at this one guy, Molotov cocktailing a Jewish deli, yep. um, <laughs> and angry at the KKK, is that um, it's kind of implied in the comic that Hooded Justice uh, has some sympathies for the Third Reich. Okay, yeah, because, like, it kind of makes sense in a way that, like, if you just think about the way the, the name is, it... Like, when you say that name, yeah. Hooded Justice, it, like, almost reads KKK. Yeah, and I think the big thing the show was doing a little bit is... Because the show that. is a lot about the KKK. Yeah, so it's inverting that. So, yeah, it's inverting that. Like, the show is inverting that. Like, that's why the police have masks and stuff. Um, and that's why, like, the show went to such an effort of, like, being like, okay, and he he portrays himself as white when he's Hooded Justice. He yeah. does this white makeup on his face yeah. so that the part of his skin that is visible. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. So I think there were a few people who were, cause like this show has definitely has detractors on the internet and it is, there are legitimate criticisms, I think. Uh, but sometimes I think it is people, there are a lot of criticisms in it. some people are, cause Alan Moore doesn't want this show to be made. He doesn't want anything to be made off Watchmen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah cause uh, you mentioned before his contract essentially. Yeah. Uh, and so there are people who just like are already coming in feeling a little, iffy about it because obviously the orig- one of the original creators doesn't want it um, and that's probably the one thing that they're really taking a little bit like of a this thing from the comic wasn't true okay, um, yeah. but I think you could make the argument and this is what how I reasoned it in my head uh, about Hooded Justice's sympathies for the Third Reich is that like uh, it's just unreliable narrator is Hollis Mason was wrong about that yeah. Also, they have the whole thing where that character is, he is carrying around this piece of paper that is, it, it's propaganda from World War One from the Germans that's flown onto the black soldiers talking yeah. about how yeah. uh, your country doesn't care about you. So they, it could be him just being like, um, it, it could be maybe, maybe Hollis Mason saw that piece of paper or something. or Right, and just assumed that, yeah, made the German connection. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like that the show introduces, like, his first real, um, like, his first real moment of anger as a policeman is, as a police officer, is at a guy who is doing, like, Nazi-ish behavior yeah. right around that time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That was, like... I feel like that was one of the big revelations of the of the TV show. Like one of the biggest things they did to the comic, one of the biggest commentaries they made on it was making Hooded Justice a uh, um, a black guy, and and like that uh, Bass Reeves, the guy who he was watching that TV show, er, yeah. like that's what the show started on was him watching Bass Reeves. He was a real yeah. guy. Yeah, uh, he was a real guy who was like a hooded or er, a masked vigilante who fought. Other mass vigilantes, if you think about it, because he was fighting the KKK. Uh, Wait, so the um, so the video he watched at the beginning, the silent movie, yeah, was that was that a historical, a historical like? Was, did the movie exist? It was a for... fictionalized, yeah, account. I don't know. If, I don't think that's like a real movie he was watching. Like, I'm sure 
I think there was a Bath Reads movie. I haven't done the research on this. Okay, uh, I, I would just be curious because it's like so. Which part? So so Bath Reads actually existed. The movie is if it would would be a fictionalized account of the real Bass Reeves, and the actor on screen is not Bass Reeves, right? Yeah. Right, the uh, actor on screen is somebody that chose to play Bass Reeves. I'm looking up right now Bass Reeves' silent film, The Law. Um, okay, so that, I mean, I figured that, uh, is that the HBO supplemental Watchmen material that the film is Trust in the Law, fictional in-universe silent film. Okay. But I'm trying to figure out, like, because I feel like I heard somebody mention... No, he's just a real guy. There was no... I don't think there was a movie made off of him. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so... Yeah. So the, so HBO got a guy to play Bass Reeves. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. That was pretty clearly like made in 2018, 2019, whatever. But uh, okay. I don't know. I think that's what I thought. I, I couldn't tell, but oh. I'm, I'm curious how you could tell. <laughs> yeah, if you have... I don't know. It just like seemed like it was shot... Not shot... Like that the, it hadn't degraded enough to be a... Like, I don't think they'd be able to restore something that well. I see. Okay. Uh, yeah, from from that era. Also, it's hard for me to believe, just because of the... Like, that was the era in which Birth of the Nation was the biggest movie of all time. Yeah. It's hard for me to believe that a movie is really getting made... I mean, I guess you could make the argument, like, Tulsa's Black Wall Street. Tulsa is... So, yeah, they were all the rich affluent uh, African-Americans are, they could have made it on their own, and it made have, might have been just in that market. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, so... Yeah, t- I, when I when it started, I was like, am I actually... Is this actually a scene from Birth of a Nation? Because, uh, like... Because it kind of has that implication. Uh, right? I, I think it I, I think it definitely is supposed to evoke a little bit of Birth of a Nation, yeah. in a sense. Not necessarily, because, I mean, Alan Moore did go on record a couple years ago saying, like, I think the KKK and Birth of a Nation specifically is kind of the birth of the idea of the superhero. And it's kind of like, which is like a statement on the fact that the idea of a masked vigilante started as a racist trope a little bit. Yeah. Not as a, like, as in a, a, a hero to racist sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and, like, you have other, like, I don't know the idea of the ubermensch or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's not... Uh, that's definitely a little racist. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, do you think if there's a season two, they're going to get Robert Redford? I'm totally... I, want, I do. I'm, I, yeah, I'm but, so hoping that they actually get Robert Redford. I, I think... so funny. All right. So, first of all, I, I've been hinting at this. I don't really want them to make a season two. I like season one. Okay. Yeah. I just think it ends so well, and I don't really want to follow up. I like like the ambiguity of the ending, um, even though it it seems like of course she's going to have the superpowers. Yeah. Because yeah, but I like that. I like I like ambiguous endings. I just yeah. like that. I just like I just like it when they're like, look, we'll trust you to make your own decision about this, and you know, it doesn't have to. There doesn't have to be a canon ending. You can just believe what you want in your heart. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I like that in general. But, like, I do think if there's a season two, I would love Robert Redford to just play himself. I know. That would be so good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I might... Like, I... This is this feels kind of like the way Punisher season one ended, where it's like, it has a self-contained story that got resolved pretty yeah. neatly. And so I'm curious where they would take it from there. They might, like, I don't know, I feel like they almost might do a time jump. 
I mean, either you do a time jump or I don't know. It's Why, something like, about like like I think you have to do some sort of time like because I don't want to see the next second of that scene. Yeah, uh, I don't want to see the next day. I want to see. I want to see them. Like, cause I love a time jump, and I think a time jump would work in that where it's like maybe a few years later, and they're like, "Yeah, you cast uh, basically Doctor Manhattan, but she's a different doc, but she's a Doctor Manhattan, right? And we've known about her for a couple of years, or maybe she's just looks like the old Manhattan to make people believe that he never died, and then later on it's revealed, oh, it was Angela Abar all along. Yeah, like, I don't know. I wonder. So, like. I was, yeah, I was thinking, like, a time jump. It almost, not quite, but, like, halfway into the American Horror Story version of, like, where it's completely new setting. Like an uh, anthology. Yeah. I mean, but, I but think that not, would be... Not exactly. Obviously, you, you still have Angela Abar connecting it because yeah. she's the common thing. But it's like the other characters, I mean, aside from... They, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they do have something. I don't know. It's just... Because that's what that's how they approached doing that from the comic. They, yeah. They did a t- huge time jump. Yeah. I mean, here's my thing, is, like, I like the show a lot. I like the comic a lot. I like that... I don't know. It's just, like, I feel like I like knowing about this universe, but also I only like it expanded so much uh, in the, at, at such a pace. Yeah. Uh, like, like this felt new and fresh to me, but somehow, like, season two would sort of cheapen it for me a little bit. And I can't fully explain that or express that so like i feel like that's not a good argument i mean again my my reference has been like punisher season two just felt like i'm like wait what like i gotta watch i gotta i gotta catch up on i I didn't watch all of it i just watched the first episode and i'm like did you not like it i i enjoyed like watching the rest of that season i enjoyed it enough but i was like this is i mean the first one was like this huge you know like long this you um, really like punisher season one I liked it a lot, yeah. I feel like you bring it up a lot, uh, and I I liked it, and then I kind of threw it out of my brain. Yeah. I mean, it's... I like I, I like a spy conspiracy narrative. Yeah. I, I love Burn Notice, right? Which is, like, in that vein. Um, but it's it's it has this overarching, very large plot that covers, like, a huge conspiracy inside the government. And it's got, it's got these really high stakes in this really wild world. And then, like suddenly, he's in a bar, do in a bar fight, protecting some kid for some reason. Yeah, that's 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 season two, episode one. Basically, he's like looking up with somebody random, which is fine, whatever. But then, like the stakes are just like, well, this some kid is being attacked or stalked by some other dudes, so he's protecting her. Hmm. So I was like, this is a we- this is jarring to go from government conspiracy, which is like in the highest levels of the CIA, like my like. Just revenge, 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 all sorts of revenge, and uh, and this whole like this notion of like and micro getting back his family, yeah. and then suddenly you cut to he's out in the middle of nowhere, probably like a random midwestern city, like small town, not even city, small town, trying to live his life, which is that's a cool aspect of it, but like that that happens for like thirty minutes, and then wham, he's like he has to be Punisher again, you know. I mean, that's almost the. Uh... The paradox of superhero storytelling in general is that yeah. you got to put them back to status quo somehow. You got to get them back yeah. to doing their thing. And sometimes, you know, you know I just, it's jarring, I, right? Yeah. I've started reading uh, this this run of the Hulk. I haven't really read much Hulk before. Hulk's not really my kind of, not really a big Hulk guy. Yeah. But this is a writer that, like, we talked about it when Alex was on. Yeah, uh, a little bit. He was talking about how he really likes Peter David. Yeah, 
Uh, and so this is the Peter David run of the Hulk. And they just ended, like, this plot line that it seemed like was the overarching plot line. It just ended. And so it just starts from this completely random place, essentially, in the next issue, where suddenly you're in Vegas. And Hulk is like a Vegas guy called Joe Fix-It. He's just, like, living a, a weird little Hulk life. And he's got a... I, I, I think they're sending him a hooker? I don't know. Uh, he, like, works for a mobster. Okay. And he's like, I can't tell anyone I'm the Hulk, but I'm the Hulk. And he's not being Bruce Banner. Yeah. He's a Hulk 100% of the time. <laughs> uh, and he's just, like, guy wearing a suit. And it's like, this is a weird little whiplash. And, like... And here's the thing, is you know eventually... Because the last issue essentially ended on a small town in middle America got nuked, which by nukes created by the United States government, which if you think about it, like that would change the entire world. If yeah. Essentially the United States nuked its own people. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing is like, it's like a valid criticism of superhero universes where you suddenly have to like reset and make things low stakes again. Yeah. So that you can bring them back to high stakes. But it's like, how do you like, how do you come back from Endgame, Right. Like obviously yeah. Spider-Man far, far from home did, but like, it's like hard to see that how that universe is really gonna settle again after you had that five year time skip. Yeah, uh, you had people disappear for five years. You had the infrastructure of the entire world kind of. I mean, obviously, Far From Home showed like they can make a world after that, but it's still there's a weird part of me watching Far From Home being like, why are things this normal? Uh, and like. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that was something cool about Watchmen, though. Is that Watchmen, uh, both the comic and the TV show, are very much like a weird thing happened, and we're still dealing with it. Yeah. Uh, so, with, like, Watchmen the comic, it's already like, like we have Vietnam. We, we've already annexed Vietnam. Richard Nixon has been ours for years. Yeah. Like, he's been the president for years. We, we uh, have electric cars because of lithium batteries, because technology has changed and we were able to advance it because we had the Superman. And then we see the TV show and it's like, okay, 34 years ago we had a squid attack. Yeah. People believed it was real. Yep. Uh, we still have squids that come all the time. Squids are a big thing in our culture. Schindler's List is not about the Holocaust because the Holocaust, like, it was bad, sure, but like five years ago, three million people died because of a squid. Yeah. So we're still dealing with that. Um, uh, like, that's something I like about that show, is that they are, like, like so I guess that could be interesting for a follow-up. It's like, okay, yeah. now we have this other thing, like, the time world's going to be on the brink again, because, yeah. number one, Dr. Manhattan's gone. Yeah. Number two, like, gone-gone, not just hanging out on Mars gone, but, like, yeah. dead-gone. Yeah. Um, though, you do have Angela Abar, but we don't know if people know. Yeah. Uh, number two, uh, like, they kind of ended that episode being like, we're going to hold... Adrian Byte to his crimes. Are those going to be public? Are people going to know now? Right, that, that the squid was fake? Yeah. The squid was fake, that it was architected by one man. Like, that man's... Uh, that man's name is going to be synonymous with Hitler from now on. Yeah. Um, uh, and there will probably be some people out there who are like, you know, you're going to hate me for saying this, but I agree with Adrian Byte. You're probably going to get those people, like, you're going to get talking heads who are like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Obviously, like, you can't just be, I guess, in a Midwestern town with it, with people trying to live their life, but also, I don't know, I guess people are trying to live their life in general. That's the, that's the theme of this thing, is, is, is Dr. Manhattan 
in. Sorry, I'm coming to it. I'm realizing something. Okay, Doctor Manhattan yeah. says to like Ozymandias, or he says to somebody, he's like, like Adrian Veidt's like, I did it. I saved the world. And like Doctor Manhattan's like, nothing never, en- nothing ever ends. Yeah. And that's a big theme of Watchmen is that yeah, like, nothing ever ends. ends. You know, whatever gigantic trauma happens, whether to a person personally or the world in general, no matter what, no matter how much it feels like that's the world ending, is the world still going to go on? You know, yeah. Trump wins the 2016 election. Me getting political here. Ooh, so political. No, I, I think everyone who listens to us is probably on the same page. Yeah, uh, yeah. The world still went on the next day. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, 9/11 happened. The world still went on the next day. Holocaust happened. The world still went on the next day. Yeah. Uh, and you just got to deal with the trauma and the baggage of that happening. But, like, for some people, that's something far away that happens, something that doesn't affect them. And for some people, that's the biggest thing in the world. Yeah. You know. Uh, looking glass, you know, having been there and uh, and the way, you know, the <laughs> losing all its clothes right before it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, looking glass. Oh, man. That was, yeah. I was like, I think that was the episode that I was like, ooh, I'm in. I mean, all I, I think like episode four, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then episode five happened, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. You were like, they did the squid. Oh, my God. I was sitting there when the squid appeared. Did I say this on the last episode? Uh, baby, go, you say it again. It's okay. okay. Either way is, you know, you could tell that the squid was, like, that was about to happen, and I was like, okay, I saw yeah. little squiddies beforehand. I saw, I, I saw, saw yeah, yeah. obviously, the squid's canon in this universe. Like, you know what it was? They can show it to us, and like you see them pan out to New York City yep. from whatever fucking New county Jersey. fair New Jersey he's at, uh, where they've already shown various things that are very like they showed the knot heads. The knot heads are the punk in the books. Okay, um, and, and you just like they, they you just they just pan out, and you're like, I was sitting there in front of my little screen uh, on my TV, and I was just like shouting to the screen. I was just going. Give me the squid. Give me the squid. He gave us a squid. He gave us a squid. I was really excited about the squid. Yeah. Uh, Zack Snyder was like, squid's unfilmable. That's what he said. <laughs> you know what? He's, he's on record for that. Yeah. Well, Zack Snyder, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold you to that. You're wrong. Squid was filmable. I don't know. Did you think the squid was filmable? What did you think of that squid? That was a good squid. Okay. That was a good squid. It's weirder than, I mean, in terms it, of like, yeah. This, look, I'm not gonna lie. I get why people like the Zack Snyder. In yeah. Well, I mean, it's just it, I get what he means by it. it's not unfilmable. It's just the exposition required to like kind of exp- like why? Uh, like when you told me that, I was like, that's such a weird. Yeah. You had to explain so much why that's the thing. Why that was the thing. Like, I, like I and so they're building it up throughout the book a little bit. Like yeah. they're showing little hints. They're like, okay, uh, he stole. Uh, he kidnapped all these artists and these like scientists and stuff, and they basically thought they were all making a movie. Yeah. And they designed the squid. <laughs> uh, and he had them design the squid. He was like, all right, cool. Uh, and you kind of see the artists and scientists very briefly throughout the comic just being like, and you see little hints. Like at one point you see this one woman and you see her, she's at an easel talking to this writer who's a comic book writer within the universe. Um, and, and, and they walk away from the easel, and you see the, the for the first time, you see just this black and white drawing of the face of the squid, and you have no context for it yet. Yeah. And then later on, you see under a white sheet, like, the squid poking out a little bit, and then you fucking see the squid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like that the show, because I think, 
don't know. I like Damon Lindelof as a showrunner. I loved The Leftovers. Like, I think that is a perfect TV show. Um, like, I liked Watchmen a lot. Uh, the Leftovers is a magnum opus for my money. I think it's got the best ending for a TV show ever. Okay. Uh, if you haven't seen it, dude. I haven't seen it. And it's like, because he just does weird things. And he's like, we don't have to explain that. Uh, I know, I haven't seen Lost, so I'm not going to get into a Lost conversation. Uh, I haven't seen it either, so. Yeah. Because, uh, like, I know people have mixed feelings on it. Uh, I, I remember the ending people had problems with. I don't know. The, yeah, the mystery box that never was resolved. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a mystery box that I never saw. But I know other people who are like, oh, no, it was a good ending in hindsight. Like, we overreacted. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. But it's very, like, like how he does the loop, man. That's very, that feels, yeah. that feels like such a little move that he would make of just like, oh, we're going to put in this one random thing and Fuck, fuck you guys. Like, this is a weird universe. <laughs> uh, a squid fell on uh, fell on New York, and then we made uh, the best picture, like, ten years later was Schindler's List, but about... But, but about the squid yeah. instead. Pale Horse, I think they called it. Because it, <laughs> it was the band. That's the thing in yeah, the comics, horse, is, that, yeah. is that, that that band was playing in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. And all those knotheads that I was talking about, that's, like, their band. Uh, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Not tops, whatever they're called. And yeah, like, that was that was fun. Yeah. To see you squid. I was like, yeah, I was like, yes. I I like that it was weird, and I like that there's this weird thing of like we have this material that was specifically created, I think, because of Doctor Manhattan or whatever. I forget, but it protects you. It's like a mirror material. Oh, reflectatine. Yeah, yeah, and it protects you from the squids. Yeah, it's a weird thing, and I like I like the little character choice about the end. He knows it's not real, and then he's like, "I don't know where they head anyway." It's just because like it's it's a safety blanket to him. Yeah. Like he's he's just he's permanently scarred. He's been living that way for thirty four years. Uh, he still gets the he stills like, "All right, come repair my bomb shelter anyways." Yeah. Um, I don't know. I really like that character, and then he disappeared for three episodes. Right, and you're like, "What?" Yeah, and especially because then... they show the people coming to attack him. Yep. But you know he survives, but still. Still, yeah. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's his face? Uh, what's that actor's name again? I don't know. He's in so many things. He's uh, he's in all the Coen Brothers movies. Uh, fuck. Uh, somebody uh, is screaming at me right now, probably. Um, fucking. He's an actor that I used to not like at all. Uh, and I've kind of grown to appreciate. And I really liked him. Like, in yeah. the show, he was... He was, he was Buster Scruggs. I remember that. Tim Blake Nelson. And it was a three name. Okay. Tim Blake Nelson. I remember I first saw him in the movie Holes. Oh. Which is a movie he's not good at. Okay. Uh, and that's why I didn't really like him. I don't think he's good. I don't know. He's not good in... You know what movie I just watched recently? And this is why I started reading these Hulk comics. I watched the Marvel's Incredible Hulk. Oh, okay, yeah. That movie is... And it was the first time I'd rewatched it since the first time I ever saw it. Like, I still haven't seen it. I should. Yeah. All of my Marvel rewatches, I've skipped that movie since. Because it is... Not because I remember it being bad, but because I remember it being so unimportant. <laughs> but here's the thing. It, it, it sucks. <laughs> it's like actively awful. It's so amazing to me. Because I rewatched recently. I rewatched that and Iron Man 2. Yeah. Uh, and also Thor, the first Thor, which are the first 
three of the first four movies in the universe. Yeah, it's Iron Man and then Deep yeah. Three. Yeah, uh, I like Thor one. Uh, I, I, it's, it's definitely got its problems, but like, it's amazing to me. That's our biggest franchise, right? The first three movies, Iron Man one kicks ass. Yeah, the next two movies suck. Yeah, like yeah. Like, there's some good stuff in Iron Man 2. Incredible Hulk is pretty much irredeemable, and it's the second movie in that franchise. <laughs> um, like, that movie... What are the choices? I don't know. And it feels so 2008, too, or 2000... Did it come out in 2010? It feels like a mid-2000s movie. It, it came out very shortly after, I think, Iron Man 1. Yeah, and I it's before Marvel fig- figured out their look, and, like... There's a valid complaint for Marvel, all the Marvel movies looking the same, but that movie looks generic in a bad way, but, like, not in a generic in a Marvel way. Yeah. And it's just so... Everything, Hulk looks bad. Uh, I heard uh, somebody mention that it looked like he had skipped his carbs. Yeah, he looks <laughs> just like... And, like, here's the thing, is, like, I think they're trying to make Hulk look really badass in that movie, and it doesn't hold up. He doesn't look badass at all. And I think the effort to make him badass makes him look worse. And it's just so... such a bad movie. <laughs> oh my god. I... That is the biggest franchise. And it... Two of the first three movies sucked. Yeah. Uh, Iron Man 2 is just so all over the place. And then they're like, we're just going to fit on all this universe building stuff. And by the time Nick Fury comes in... Nick Fury, who we get so much promise in, in that... End of credit scene in yeah. Iron Man 1. Yeah. He, he he brings us so much promise, and then he steps in in Iron Man 2, and, like, instead of being a cool badass, like, not that he's not not a cool badass, but, like, the scene that he steps in, the movie's momentum just halts. Yeah. And you, it feels like the movie just, like, was like, okay, we're just gonna, like, this is when you go pee. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, when you all go to the bathroom, go get some more snacks now, because, like, this movie... Is not moving right now. Nothing is happening. Yeah, that's when he has to go and, like, discover... He has to discover whatever the fucking element. new element is. Yeah. The whole plot line in that movie of, like, my blood toxicity is bad. Yeah, it's, it's it, like... It feels so artificial of a plot. It just feels so nothing. Yeah, and they did a repeat of, like, the say, you know the mirror of him again. It's just whiplash, woohoo, who's not that great of a villain. And you have uh, Sam Rockwell, who I think is doing a good job, and he's clearly playing the mirror of the other side of Iron Man. Yeah, he's funny, he's... but he's very in- inconsequential. Yeah, and like, he feels underutilized. Uh, I don't totally hate uh, Whiplash, but like, I don't know. And most of the action scenes are a little boring. The one action sequence where there, it's Iron Man and War Machine fighting in the fucking Lotus Garden. Yeah. That's actually a pretty dope scene. And I found out on this rewatch, because I was listening to a commentary track, uh, that's how I got through it. Uh, <laughs> that apparently, uh, that scene. Do you have you ever seen like Samurai Jack or Primal or? So there's this cartoonist, Jendi Tarakovsky, I think his name is. Okay, sure. Yeah. And he's like a pretty popular uh, cartoonist, and he's like he storyboarded that. Is he storyboarded that action sequence? And so it was like his like because like, like John Favreau specifically seeked him out and was like. Uh, can you make this look cool? Yeah. And he made that one scene look cool, which I will admit did look cool. Yeah. But just, I don't know. And the climactic fight, it's like, I mean, I once, I heard in a video analysis or video essay, it was like, he literally fights an army of empty suits. He fights an army of empty suits. 
And then Whiplash comes up and he beats Whiplash in like a minute. Yeah, it was like too way too easy unearned. Yeah. And it's yeah. It was just there was no catharsis out of that. There's none. 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 I'm sorry for like bringing this podcast back to the Marvel universe. <laughs> it was just like I rewatched those three movies and here's the thing is I remember at the time when I watched Thor cuz like Thor right now I've like grown to appreciate Thor 1. I think it's a little bit underrated. I think I like Thor. It feels dated but it feels I, I like the movie. It's I, I think I think it's a little imperfect but I remember when I first saw it in theaters yeah. in 2011, I had just gotten out of an AP exam in high school, saw it with my friends. Because uh, we got to get out of school early because the AP exams, and I remember walking out of that movie and being like, "That kind of sucked." Oh, really? I like it now. I like that movie now, and they're like Thor Ragnarok is great. It's legitimately just a better film. Yeah. But sometimes I'm a little bitter at that movie for throwing things off the board that they put in in Thor One. Yeah. Like they just so he just like so hand waves like he's like this doesn't matter this doesn't matter and it's like you, you killed the Warrior Three without really building them and that like. I always like felt there was potential there. You just you did a little bit with Idris Elba's character with Heimdall, but like couldn't have, like he didn't kill Heimdall, but still, you know. I, I mean, know. but then Infinity War did, so that's true. Yeah. And then he just killed him in the first scene, you know. Ugh. I don't know. I I have feelings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, Thor Thor Ragnarok's one of my favorite one of those movies. Yeah. It's just like I'm bitter at it because look, Thor one, the other Thor movies weren't great, but like. There were some good building blocks in there, and I think there yeah. were good things. I don't know. I really enjoy. I, I enjoyed Thor one a lot because you know the the fish out of water comedy aspect of it really worked. Everything where he's like, yeah, it's like, and um, I remember um, where where he does the thing with the the the, the, the coffee mug. I like him yes. when he in Stellan Skarsgård go out for drinks. I, yeah. I really like that, dude. They have great acting moments where he's like a re- like. I remember. Okay, so I remember this was like. A criticism of Joss Whedon doing uh, how he writes the character. Yeah, and I mean, you know, he does good things too. So it's not. It, this is a. This is from a video essay. I no, yeah, uh, I, I like Joss Whedon, but he's also pretty imperfect yeah. in a lot of ways. So he, uh, he mentions that, like, so in order for everybody to stand out in the team, he exaggerates their qualities a lot, and so that does feel like what he does. Yes. Right. So <laughs> in order for so Thor turns from somebody you can have a drink with and have a normal conversation with, and this is very. Very closely paraphrasing the, the video yeah. I say. Turns he turns to, into Shakespeare in the park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I think yeah. that was, yeah. Uh, that's, Joss Whedon does that in like everything he writes. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, going back to comics, my favorite X-Men run, his, his interpretation, which he wrote, like, he wrote, he's not, most of his comics I've written I haven't been super into, but his X-Men is like my favorite X-Men. Uh, but one thing with it is like Wolverine in that comic is very much just like I'm a guy who likes beer there's a scene where they're all fighting everything and everybody has like a little monologue of just like this is how I what I'm thinking about during the fight and it's like a a little bit of a long thought bubble yeah then Wolverine's fighting the enemy and it's silent for most of it and then he's just then there's just one thought bubble that just goes I like beer (laughs) oh my god uh so that's very much uh Joss Whedon for you is that he really like, he'll definitely exaggerate features of every... Yeah. Uh, I think there are a lot of very valid criticisms for Joss Whedon in the way... He writes characters very... Yeah. He has a formula, I feel like. Yeah. But in any case, that's the, like... The, the point was that, like, Thor... Thor 1... Yeah. ...was a very relatable character. He's a good character. Like, he has great acting moments where he's, like... He just has a nice conversation yeah. with with uh, Stellan Skarsgård's character. Well, there's a great relationship between those two. Yeah, and then and then also with with Natalie Portman's character Jane. Yeah, they have great like. 
I don't know conversation. A hundred. I actually know. Uh, I've always been a little critical of Natalie Portman in those movies. Okay, but rewatching for one this time, I don't know. Like she's not. I, she's obviously not putting in the performance of her life, but yeah. she's like she has somewhat decent chemistry with, with Chris Hemsworth. And I, uh, yeah, like uh, I, I agree. They're, like better than I've ever given her credit for in that yeah. movie. I feel like I've already always been like I. I think she kind of sucks in these movies. Uh, in I don't know. I think there's something interesting. In, in the one, yeah, in, in Thor 1, they have, like, nice conversations. Yeah. Right? You know what's fun about those movies, too, is, like, Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston, uh, who are the two people this, like, movie is hinging on. Yeah. Two complete unknowns, essentially. Yeah. Uh, in the sense of a big superhero movie. Yeah. You're giving the big superhero and the big villain are both essentially unknowns. And then Natalie Portman and Anthony Hopkins are, like, the two... Famous people, like yeah. you have other, you have Renee Rosso, you have Stellan Skarsgård. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, I just found that interesting. Uh, but um, yeah. Uh, anyways, Watchmen, we, Watchmen. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, we we uh, yeah, detoured into the MCU as we always do. Um, yeah, I mean, we're talking superheroes, you know. Yeah, so uh, it's, it's naturally happened. Yeah, so we covered the squid we covered uh i mean let's talk about the nostalgia episode like that 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 whole history of that was the, that, that was that was like one of the, like was, like i was saying like the big reveal of that like, he's a justice which uh i don't know but like i feel like i saw coming like two beats before it happened it, they hinted at a it a couple because, scenes beforehand because yeah. like they had the thing where where they where they had the um, whatever the, the the in-universe version of Watchmen or, like, the history yeah, of Batman. Where it's essentially, like, a Ryan Murphy American horror story right. sort of thing, except it's American hero story. Right. Amer- yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, I just got... I can't believe I just got that, even though I just... Ref- I already referenced the American horror story <laughs> inside this podcast. Like, Oh, my God. You didn't... Yeah, no. Uh, oh, anyways. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, yeah, they obviously... Well, I think it's more probably off American crime story or whatever. Okay. Because it's... it's True stuff instead of because in their universe it's assumed true. Yeah, right. Yeah. And yeah. that's who they keep referencing as like this is the guy who was Hood of Justice and it's the Rolf Mueller guy. Yeah, they have yeah. a different. Yeah, they have a very like basic white guy. Yeah, you know, to play. play. Uh, and it turns out to be whole other, that was like a good episode, and it was yeah. she was experienced time a little bit like her husband. Yeah. Like Doctor Manhattan, yes, it was intercutting, and it was like everything's all mixed up. And yeah, I mean, it was also a really good. His, I mean, you know, it's not historical for us, but still, I mean, there's there's definitely racism throughout the fifties. So it's like, I mean, yeah. it's like a window into that. It's not, you know, it's not exactly accurate. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, not a secret conspiracy think, called Cyclops. Yeah, I don't think Cyclops is is real. I mean, it could be you know, all that mind mm-hmm. control. Maybe that's what they're doing on Fox News. Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> those little bastards, those sly little foxes at Fox News, flashing little brainwashing flashing, signals. Flashing lights. Am I right? Ooh, we're getting edgy today, baby. We're getting edgy. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Those sly Fox News. Yeah. yeah uh, but it, I mean, it then also it ties up that loose end from, the, from literally the first scene of the, yeah. of the series where you're like, why am I... I mean, okay, it's a good history lesson, which is cool, but like in the context of the series, why do I? Why am I watching this? Yeah, yeah. Why is this guy important? And like, there's a lot of there's uh, that guy's given a lot of Superman allegories in another few ways, like because like um, he picks up, he does see the Superman comic, and he is like, oh, you know what? Okay, I will be a vigilante. Like that's not a one to one, but it definitely inspired him to keep going with it. Yeah. 
uh, or it inspired him to be like, okay, I'm going to, like, because obviously the first time he just happens to have the mask on him, but then, like, he obviously puts it into a persona, and he connects it in his head because he just read this comic, but also the first scene of that during the race riots is essentially the Superman origin story. Yeah. But on Earth. Yeah. is like he is taken out like Superman from a dying planet um, in a little box. Uh, it, I mean, you could make the argument that the, the little baby he's with is a little bit more that, but he's the one who becomes a superhero. Yeah. Is that sort of his origin story is like his world is being destroyed. Uh, and his parents are like, well, we can't save ourselves, but we're going to save our child. And so we're going to put him in a box and we're going to put him in a rocket or a cart and horse yeah. uh, to safety. And that's basically what happens to him. And then he becomes, much as Superman is sort of the first superhero, uh, he becomes the first real life superhero. Yeah, I think the first there's Mask Vigilante. Yeah. yeah um, I think, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Um, what it was a good episode. What do you think about the reveal that the um, that the antidote for the nostalgia was like, was, it, was it an elephant? I was like, because oh. elephants never forget, man. Wait, what? I thought, elephants they never forget. I thought it was like elephants forget really easily. I just uh, that that seemed like one of the like like another thing like Lube Man where she just walks in and what the fuck? It's what an the elephant. Fuck? It's an elephant. Yeah. What the, what the fuck? Actually, I should uh, I should look. It's like do elephants forget? Well, no, because that's the saying. You know the common saying. Yeah. What? An elephant never forgets. I just figured it was a connection to that. Uh, okay. okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, that's yeah. I I looked it up as like it's yeah, it's a saying. You, you never heard that saying? I for some reason I always thought that elephants forget really easily. Dude, this is like a common idiom. Hey, hey, all right. You've sure. never heard an elephant? <laughs> no. <laughs> In any case, so okay, yeah, okay. That's, well, that's, what about her it? I just think that's interesting. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, so they they harvest something from the elephant to yeah, yeah. I think it's sort of they're just like using the elephant as a bank to sort of like wean her off those memories. Yeah. It's not necessarily she's being fed the elephant's memory. Okay, or yeah. that the elephant's being like acting as a control almost as like a as like a an extra brain, an extra source. Yeah, an extra neurons to like take the weight off of her shoulder, okay. sort of thing. That That's makes sense. That makes sense. When yeah. I, the way I saw, it, because I thought elephants really forget easily, I was like, "That's probably goldfish." That would be funny. Just to see. goldfish do. Yeah, yeah goldfish yeah. forget. I, I, I find it really funny that you've never heard this. <laughs> so I probably mixed up goldfish and elephant in my mind. Yeah, but no, fishes have a thing where they have like a yeah. three second memory. Or yeah, something. but I just assumed that like okay, they forget easily. Yeah, so therefore, that's making her forget or like remember less strongly. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, that was, that was, <laughs> was still, good. still, that was a good episode. Yeah. It was, I don't know. Like I said, ever since like, cause the comic sort of does this thing. I feel like where as it gets going, it sort of becomes every issue is there's one character who that issue is really about. Yeah. Um, so you get an issue that's like clearly the, Ozymandias issue, you get a clearly Night Owl issue, you get a Silk Spectre issue, you get a Dr. Manhattan, you get a Comedian, you get a Rorschach issue. And this series, like, the TV show kind of aped that a little bit. You had, um, you had the Looking Glass episode, which yeah. is the episode where we found out about his origin story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we had the Silk Spectre one, which I think was probably, like, the first of these episodes that was really like that. Yeah. Or was the Ozymandias one in episode two? It might have been, I don't know. Um... We had a Dr. Manhattan episode pretty clearly. Sure, yeah. Uh, which happened right after the 
uh, Angela episode. Yeah, well, uh, the Angela episode was, I, I would say, maybe the... So, well, the episode that really delves into her backstory. I mean, it's like you kind of have her origin story. It's the episode that starts off with her in Vietnam as a little kid. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of goes through. Because, like... Oh, okay, okay. So I'm just remembering the order a little bit differently. So basically, it's... um Just to remind myself, right? It's mm-hmm. the nostalgia episode. Is episode six. Yeah. And I'd say that's the Hood of Justice episode. Yeah, that's Hood Justice. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And then, then Angela's episode is the next one, which the is... The next one where she's trying to get back her memories, essentially. To yeah. To figure out what's real. Yes. And, stable. and then and you then, have a real, a reveal at the end of that, that episode, which is Dr. Manhattan. And so the next episode is the... This is Dr. Manhattan episode. Yes. Uh, yeah, again, they're lovely. And you can make the argument that episode nine is kind of a Lady True episode. Yeah, it, it very um, much is, yeah. Yeah, and, and like before that, like episode three is definitely, well, I guess episode four might be a Lady True episode. When was episode four? I'm not sure we're going to have an episode four. I mean, there's definitely a Looking Glass episode. Yeah, and like there's definitely, said, like, episode, episode three, it's it's not like, because you don't really need to do an origin story for a character that you've seen, but you have an origin story of, like, what she's been up to, and you have the repeated beats, essentially, yeah. where she is telling the joke to Dr. Manhattan on yes. the phone. Um, what do you feel about... Because we kind of got... Uh, like, Rorschach's obviously dead, but we still got a postmortem a little bit on him with, like, the people are... Uh, the 7th Cavalry is kind of Rorschach. Yeah. In a sense. Uh, in the sense that they keep his mask and they've uh, they've taken him as their idol. But... Night Owl is kind of the forgotten, the forgotten Watchman. Yeah, well, I, in in the Silk Spectre episode, they somebody mentions that. Well, yeah, he's in prison. He's in yeah, because yeah. the guy, the Senator Keen, is like, we we can get your owl out. Yeah, um, I don't know. I I I hope if there is a season two, because I because like in the comic, he's just a little sweetie in comparison to everyone else. I feel like mm-hmm. yeah, because he he means well, you know. Yeah. He's just a frumpy dude. Uh he's definitely got a little, you know, got a little tubby. Yeah. He's a retired guy, but like compared to everyone else, everyone else is a little fucked up or or is too detached from humanity. He's the most human really. Yeah. Like him and Spectre both. Yeah. Um and I think the fact that he went to prison is part of what made Spectre in this show. Yeah. So hard edged. Yeah. yeah. Um and just by the I'm thinking also through like the first episode almost felt like the Judd episode in a, in a, in a Yeah, I can see that, yeah. And the second I don't remember the second episode is just kind of the plot going on, right? Yeah, well and that's like, like I feel like the comics feel a little bit like that. Like a couple of the earlier issues yeah. are but I guess the second ep- issue I'd say of the comic is the comedian issue. Okay. Because and they do it I think in the movie too, where it's during his funeral. And you have the funeral scenes, and then you have every character, whether they're at the funeral or not. They remember think him. They have a memory of... Yeah. yeah. You don't see it as much in the movie, uh, how each chapter is sort of split up as this is this character's. But yeah. they still do it, because it, 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 it essentially takes the same timeline as the comic. <clears throat> like, you have, you have the Dr. Manhattan sequence, which is an issue in the comics. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see. So one thing, okay, so Dr. Manhattan, one interesting thing about, like, thinking through all this, it's like, I've always, so the Lady True thing about where she wants to save the world, I've always wondered why Dr. Manhattan just hasn't. Where, because she was like, oh, I'll just, uh, I'll get these powers and I'll just make all the nukes disappear. Yeah, for example, right? Well, I think it's the same reason that they all wanted to stop her, is that, you know, 
as Kanye would say, no one man should have all that power. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and maybe he's like, well, I should let the humans determine for himself. And also, yeah, he's like, in he, a sense, he's so detached he doesn't care. Yeah. Uh, they're ants to him. Yeah. Uh, of course, he and they 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 reckon with this a little bit in the mm-hmm. uh, in the TV show, I think, because you have that conversation the first night of him and Angela, where she's like, "Why did you? Uh, so why did you fight in Vietnam?" And he's just like, "Well." That's just at the time what was the thing. That's what they that's wanted. What I, I thought people wanted me to do, right? No, it wasn't even that. It was just like that's what I'm supposed to do. That's what I. That's that's just what I did. Well, I remember the line being like, "That's what people wanted me to do." Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. I I think you have a better memory of it. Okay. Me. Okay. Sure. I'm gonna take that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Either way, point is, is that he was like, like they do address this thing of like, because in the comic he's like, "I'm just gonna go to Mars. I don't need humans anymore. I don't get." Why that is, but it, then you have this weird sort of, well, then why the fuck were you in Vietnam? Like, why do you, if you feel like you're not the same as humans, if you feel no real loyalty to anybody, because he is essentially true neutral. Yeah. Um, why were you in Vietnam? Uh, and that's why I don't think he made, because he was essentially true neutral. He was like, I, I don't need to fix the world because the world is. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, and he's like, I mean, he's also kind of adopting his, like, prime directive, right? It's like, yeah. In a way. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. These people are, they're all just molecules now. Yeah. Uh, they're just a collection of molecules. Um, though, of course, he still feels love. I don't know, it's very, <laughs> like, he has, connect, like, like, he has that connection to Silk Spectre, uh, and he is, he is hurt when he finds out she was cheating on him with Dan Dry. Yeah. Dryberg. Um, he he falls in love in the TV show with Angela Abar and right, they yeah. are together for ten years. Um, you know he he he's, he's a hard character to figure out because he's both neutral and not neutral at the same time. Yeah, and it's like he also you know I always always want like why does he say he can't you can't change the fact that he had he's gonna get he's gonna die at the end of that. Yeah. And it's fun, you know, I wonder if that's just because... Because I remember you texting me that right like, after why, that episode. Yeah. It's like, he could just teleport away, like, right then, right? And I think, I mean, I think the only answer to that is he was like, this is, this is just what happens. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah. I, I think because part of the thing is, like, he knows the future, but at the same time, he can both change it and he cannot change it. Yeah. Because if, if he knows the future, he knows the way it happened. So he can't stop anything that he knows happened. Yeah. Did you ever read Dune? I forget. No. Got it. I'm planning to because the the movie's coming out yeah. soon, and it's I love I love everything I'm hearing about the movie, and it's my dad really likes that book. Yeah, yeah. And he I, really I, liked I think the miniseries a while back. Yeah, I love the miniseries. There's two. There's two, there's been two miniseries. I, I remember. I don't remember the miniseries at all, but I remember walking in on my dad watching it, and like watching a little bit with him. Yeah, it's I love the miniseries. The the two miniseries. Yeah. Um. I I can't find. I have the I have the second one on. On my computer, I don't know where I can find this, the first one. I think it's maybe at home. I need to dig it up. I see, like in Texas. Isn't there like a documentary of like, it's Jodorowsky's Dune? Like he was going to make one? Okay. No, yeah. But in any case, so the, I brought that up because it's like, that's a theme in in Dune is like, spoiler, I guess spoilers, but you might you might know this anyways. Well, isn't it a thing that's like a little bit cyclical and a little bit... No, I'll just tell you what it is. It's like It's yeah. like one of the characters, like, I mean... I've definitely listened to a podcast where they essentially spoil it to me. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the character, Paul, becomes... 
has the ability to see the future, yeah. right? And he, he, it's mentioned inside the book that he saw the future and was trapped by it. And there's a lot of weird, like, time loops that are very similar to the way Dr. Manhattan exists in Watchmen. Because there's another part where, like, in the, in the second miniseries, his son, like, he has twins, but he couldn't see that for some reason. And so, and it's like, it's like the children created him to fulfill their destiny. Yeah. It was, it's kind of a, a weird thing about like, yeah, you, if you, to see the future is to become trapped by it. I mean, I think that's a little bit what he, like, yeah. I don't know. And he still can, obviously affect the future. There was a whole thing where, you know, he goes and sees, uh, Will Reeves. Is that the name he was going by? Yeah. Will Reeves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where he does the whole thing. Like he was like, how did you know that, uh, Don Johnson, whatever his character, Judd. Judd, yeah. Uh, Crawford. There we go. Yeah. Uh, that's the character's name. How did you know he was Cyclops? And then Will Reeves was like, he's Cyclops? He's part of that? He's, uh, and Angela Abar was just screaming like, oh my God, I made that happen? I, this is all because of me? This all be- happened because yeah. of me? It was a circle. Yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was circular. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It's, it's yeah, a symbol. It's a symbol, yeah. Uh, is a circle. And it's also a watch that has no hands. Yeah. So it's a clock that is all times at once. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh. Oh. Yeah. I may have I may have gotten into like a Reddit conversation where we figured that out together. <laughs> Me yeah. and my internet friends. Yeah. Ooh. But yeah, it was Yeah, the, the yeah, there's a lot of interesting like time paradox stuff around. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Uh it's it's like But I, yeah, so I had the thought that like maybe if for his choice was to like given his choice to be with Angela that yeah. there was nothing to do. I mean, I think it was just like because I he I don't think he's omniscient necessarily. He just knows the things that he has experienced at all times. Yeah. Well, I think he's a series of choices of what to do, and I think he chose the best one. Yeah. Uh, and I think there may have even been a part of him that was like, "I'm sick of having this weight on me too." Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. So like that might have been why he chose to become human too. Right. Is he was like, I don't want to be all powerful. I mean, that is essentially why he became human. And he was like. It's so hard being all powerful. I can't be in love with her because she doesn't understand me. I'd, I'd rather just be oblivious. I'd rather be a human. Yeah. Now there's an interesting thing. So once she eats the egg, mm-hmm. there's a. Uh, now she's also in the past too. That's true, but she can't change the past. She can't go yeah. back in time or anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. But she now has a weird. Now she has the same understanding of time that he does, which is. So it's like they're still together. It's a weird. So she's always together with him. Oh yeah. My God. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he was like, "Hey, remember me standing on water? Yep. This is important." Yep. Uh, yep. <laughs> did you see the thing where? So he was like, "I'm gonna." Uh, she was like, "Where did you put the kids? Where did they go? Where did they go?" Yeah. And and he's like, "I put them somewhere safe." And as you see, so later you see uh, the kids and Will Reeves were all in. The theater. The Dreamland Theater. And as yeah. they're walking out of the theater, all the lights on Dreamland Theater, on, the, on like the marquee where it says Dreamland, all the lights are turned off in the letters. Yeah. Because of the squids that are falling in the sky, I assume. Except for D, R, and N. Oh. So it's like they were sheltered under Dr. Manhattan. Oh, wow. I think it... Let me see. That's a nice... Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I thought it was... I thought that was a little... It's a nice little touch. Yeah. A little on the nose, but it's a nice touch. Yeah. Uh, I think that's like a little bit of a connection to the comics in the sense that like, 
everything that's on screen, well, not on screen, but like on the page and the screen kind of relates to whatever dialogue is being spoken, even if it's a very obvious metaphor. Yeah. Uh, just like, because in the last episode, you had that newsstand guy who Adrian V was like. Oh, yeah. But the, I, I know him as Bunny Colvin because that's how I know him. From. Oh, he's, he's like two, he's like two other characters that I know. He's okay. Bunny Colvin in The Wire and he's Vaughn in Burn Notice. So in the comic, there's a newsstand guy at a newsstand that looks almost exactly like that. Yeah. And he's kind of a, he's a central figure that's, he's just always there. Um, Rorschach always is walking by as his plainclothes self around him, uh, holding his like end is nigh sign. Uh, that was like a little sweet little nod. And then that newspaper guy dies in the squid attack. He's like ground zero. Yeah. Um, but he's also ground zero for essentially all these things happening. Like he's a weird little connection point for all yeah. the moments in the comic. Uh, do we want to? Is there anything more we want to touch on on Watchmen? Oh, one thing, one parallel. I just re- I had, I had realized recently with um with this is weird. Like the um with Iron Man three actually, yeah. um there the the Seventh Cavalry like plot to be like. I, we're gonna have the cops in masks, and we're gonna have the seven cabin masks. We're gonna own the culture war. I was like, that's that's Killian from Iron Man three. Yeah, yeah. I was like, so it was funny it's that they called it. You're gonna you're gonna cause the cycle a little bit. I think that's a criticism on real life a little bit. Yeah, uh, where where you have this worry that like you know all I mean a little bit. It's a little real sometimes where it's like you know the people who are supposed to be heroes are the same as the villains or yeah I don't know. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I just yeah, Iron Man. Like they they had a little call out of like, well, but that was a shitty plan. Yeah, it's like so. I was like, oh, yes, Iron Man. They probably saw Iron Man three. <laughs> I mean, it probably the Marvel movies are everywhere. They're huge. Yeah, probably did see Iron Man three. Probably did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I feel like David Lindelof. I mean, based off the fact that he loves Watchmen as a comic, even before he got it. Like he he lost had some comic book writers on the writing staff who. Beforehand, had only written comics. Yeah. Like, I know Brian K. Vaughn, who's one of my favorite comic book writers, mm-hmm. wrote on that TV show. Uh, and he's almost purely a comic book guy. I think David Lindelof is a big old comic book guy. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. That, that was my last thought, really. It was like... Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I have any closing thoughts. I right. just thought... I don't know. Watchmen's cool. It was a fun watch. Yeah. I don't think... I think, like... I don't think it's as deep as the comic, but I think it's still pretty... Fucking great yeah. show, still deep. Like, like that's the thing is like by saying that I don't think I'm detract. Like, it sounds like I'm detracting from the show, but it's just that that comic book legitimately revolutionized the medium and the superhero genre. Yeah, uh, to such an extent that like you can't follow it up and yeah. be as good at it. Yeah, because uh, that's a very big thing. Yeah, it's an impossible uh, Yeah, but I think the show did a deep did a very good job. Yeah. Of, yes. I'm skeptical of anything that's a spin-off or a sequel to Watchmen, any of the comics or whatever, or the movie even. I, I, I talked about my feelings about the movie in the yeah. last episode. Uh, and I think the TV show was worthy. It was worthy of the mantle. Yeah. All right. Well, it's cool. From Eco and Zach, I don't think I have anything coming up for you, for y'all to attend. Uh, I don't either. Uh, plugs stay. I don't know. Uh, go see the unseen indie film Star Wars Episode Nine, which <laughs> may or may not be out by the time we've 
recorded this. We've put out this episode. I'm probably releasing this tonight. Just oh yeah. Oh, I'm then I'm this soon. Yeah. Okay, then then Star Wars Episode Nine out this Friday, baby. All right. <laughs> Don't spoil it for me. For Miko and Zach, we're signing off. Bye bye.